one of the the biggest fallacies that we try and tell ourselves as small businesses is that we need to act like a big business to be taken seriously. Hello, and welcome to the Grow and Behold podcast, where we talk to women in business about their stories, their stresses, and their successes. My name is Renee, and today we're talking with Beth Query from Okanagan Marketing. We're going to chat about staying motivated as your own boss, working within a schedule that suits you, and other small business marketing tips. When you start your own business, you are suddenly responsible for managing so many things. You have to manage your own time, manage your own motivation, manage your stress, and on top of all of that, you're also learning a million new skills and wearing all of the hats. Like, all of the hats. Oh, you thought you were just going to sell a product or a service? Well, guess what? Now you're also a social media manager, a content creator, a customer service rep, an accountant, a website designer, and a dozen other jobs that you might not have realized came as a package deal when you're a small business owner. But the more you learn how to wear all the hats, the better they fit. And eventually you might even hand off one or two of those hats to someone else who can take care of it for you. It is a never ending cycle of growth and learning but with a little bit of intentional reflection and self-compassion, you can learn how to be a better boss to yourself. Welcome, Beth, to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, me, you and me here. It's just us here, but joining us in general. (laughs) Glad to be here. Um, Why don't we start with a little bit of an introduction for anybody that is not familiar with who you are or what you do. Can you tell me Um, a little bit about your business and then also tell me like how you got to this business like how where did you start um, and how did you kind of like what does your bit of a journey look like from start until this point here okay so my business is Okanagan Marketing or OKGN Co Um, I got to this place in one of the most roundabout ways you possibly could so my background is in marketing and that's what I went to school for Uh, for digital media and digital communication. And I did that for a few years and it was really great learning experience. I was in Edmonton, I was working for some big agencies. Um, I was very much the girl boss going through that uh, phase of my life. Um, But one of the things that I got uh, really excited about was anytime I got to work on websites or anything more technical and less about print design and Um, Even then back, even back then, not a lot of marketing really got me excited. So I went more into the technical side and ended up doing digital marketing for tech companies or tech apps. And through that process, I went from uh, graphic designer, grunt worker, to doing marketing, to being the creative director. And then I got into project management through that. Um, And that was kind of where I found this very... Uh, soul satisfying, uh, soul satisfying thing that was like, you like to organize stuff. And it was something I didn't really realize about myself because going from more of the artsy side, I thought I was very free flowing and free forming. Um, but I am actually very technical. So uh, the project management has been an interesting one. And I got to work on some really cool projects, everything from online sports gambling to intranets for large 3000 person companies like just really weirdly tech stuff um and then in the last 10 15 years since i moved out to bc i kind of reconnected with my artsy side and got back into marketing and because of my passion projects that deal a lot with small businesses working in like tourism marketing and micro influencing and that kind of stuff it kind of came full circle where i was like hey I know how to manage projects. I know how to do marketing. I know how to do all these really cool things. And there's all these really amazing businesses that just don't have the money to access this kind of services. So let's find a way to package up all of this experience and marketing stuff, but find a business model that allows me to provide it to small businesses at a fee that they can uh, afford. So it's kind of like Okanagan Marketing has this uh, interesting Uh, way that we do stuff. Whereas I take on corporate clients and clients that like tourism counts or even the city of Kamloops that kind of pay the bills. And then I do 
small business work for as little as possible and as free as possible. And so it's kind of that duality of uh, working with both sides in order to give more benefits to the small businesses. Hmm, I love that little balance there. You got, got your bills paid on one hand, and then you can kind of pass on the knowledge and, and the services to everybody. Yeah, and it's a really great way for me to keep up with my skills too, because one of the um, hard things when you're working in a small businesses or working primarily with small businesses is you do kind of lose access and the funds that are needed to gain that knowledge for bigger things. So being able to do uh, Google ad campaigns with $30,000, you learn a lot more than you do if you're doing one for $100 or even less. And so it allows me to keep up on those skills that uh, big businesses use and allow them to give them to the smaller businesses without them having to spend that money. Oh, that's great. And do you, did you like, were you like working for someone else and then you kind of like left to do your own thing? Was there like a, a crossover period or did you just like jump off the cliff and just start doing everything with your own business? So yeah, I was doing it for, um, my last job and the job before I was working as a community manager for the tech incubator organization up here in Camden, it's called Camden Innovation. And that really gave me access to those small businesses. And I was working through Camden's Innovation to do the social marketing on their behalf. And then I kind of got to the point where I was feeling not great about the limitations they had and what they could support those businesses with which meant that I could only support them in certain ways. Whereas if I was doing it myself, I was under a lot less pressure to uh, meet certain KPIs and stakeholders and all that kind of fun stuff. I didn't have to do, I was able to do it by myself. And it was a really nice transition in that way because my day-to-day -day didn't change too much, but who I was reporting to went from a very strict uh, board of directors to like, no, I'm passionate about this. I want to work on this. I want to do this for you kind of stuff. So I was able to make that transition a lot easier for myself. What was that like to kind of go from reporting to somebody else and like, you know, essentially having, you know, I assume to-do lists or tasks that you had to complete to kind of making your own to-do lists and, and being in charge of your own productivity and projects. So in the beginning, it was nice and freeing because I was making those choices and having that autonomy over my work was really nice. However, it became very apparent very quickly that I definitely lacked the ability to say no in a constructive way. And so I felt a lot of guilt every time I said no, and I would hold on to that. I would let it fester or I would take on too much because I just couldn't say no. And so not having that layer of somebody else being the bad guy really affected me mentally and really hindered what I was able to do. Um, so I did have a lot of of growing pains in the beginning, not so much because of the work, because there was that natural transition, but being the person responsible for somebody not getting help all of a sudden was very emotionally taxing. Um, so yeah, there was definitely some growing pains there and it really came down to you getting very comfortable with saying no and getting very comfortable with confrontation of what that no might mean to somebody or how they might react. And so that took a year or two to get really used to and embrace Wow. Yeah, no doubt. I, the emotional tax is something that I don't, I wasn't considering. How did you find that kind of like balance? Like, where did you find that courage to say no? Or <laughs> A lot of it came from recognizing the, like, even though I feel, I'm one of those people who feel like I could do anything if I put a little bit of effort to it. Like I'm very confident in that way. Um, of like, yeah, I can probably do that. I can figure that out. So I, I had to learn in myself of like, what things do I actually want to do? And it not being so much about what can I do, but what do I want to do? And making sure that everything that I was saying yes to fed that versus like doing it because I could do it or feeling like I should do it. And it, it honestly just took a little bit of practice and going into things like, I know I'm going to get told off or yelled at today. And we're just going to go into it because that's the worst they can do. And then it's over and we're good. And like the feeling on the other side of dropping a client or project that didn't make you feel good, it feels so good. 
and you realize after the fact how much it wasn't aligned with what you're doing and just like remembering that feeling again and again of when I had to go into those hard conversations like you know you're going to feel better after this this has been keeping you up at night this has been causing you so much emotional taxation you're going to feel better and just hang on to that going through it but yeah it definitely takes practice mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense because you're kind of like taking on things that you're not maybe don't align with you or you're not really like into, but then, you know, it's, it's hard to let them go. But then once that yeah. hard part's over, you're like, Oh, actually it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a part of it that comes to you from the confidence of, um, you know, with any kind of small business money ebbs and flows. And in times where there's less flow, you feel, uh, like taking on more things, or you feel like you need to loosen those standards and constantly reminding myself and having the people around me remind myself that whenever I've had to actually actively look for work, I have found more in abundance than I've ever needed. And to not uh, essentially shoot myself in the foot and take on stuff because I'm fearing not finding it in the future, um, because I know confidently that I can find that work. I will never not find work and I just need to be confident in that because I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the not saying no to anything. Like when I first started, even if I wasn't like doing Facebook or something like that, if someone was like, oh, can you like do some Facebook stuff? I was like, okay, like I can do it. You're right. Sure. I can do it. But then it was sort of like, it's like a different hat or like a different headspace. You know, you're like focused on one thing and then it like takes more mental energy to like shift and be like, okay, I will also do this and then kind of learn, like just change paths essentially and then have to bounce around. And you, you as a business owner will expend so much energy doing the things that you don't want to do versus that same time and effort and money, whether it's stuff that you said you're going to do, just not doing it, or if it's stuff even within your own business where it makes sense to outsource. Yeah, okay, an accountant will cost you X amount, but how many hours is it going to take you to make that money? And how much more enjoyable is your life going to be if you spend that time making the money just to pay someone else to do it? Oftentimes, uh, it works out in your favor to outsource that kind of stuff instead of pushing through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, that's a great point when you could kind of start delegating tasks and it's like the fear of spending the money. Like you're trying to hold on to every penny, but then it's like literally worth it to actually give some, like pay someone else to do that. Um, like taxes, for example, I definitely struggle <laughs> doing my own taxes and it was not worth yeah. the stress. <laughs> it's not because you'll make back that money so easily. And if you're doing something that you're passionate and happy about, the, the cost to your mental health isn't worth it. There, and there's really no way to recover that after the fact. I know that's been a big one with like, I used to be super stingy about subscriptions or tools that I use. And I would like, no, I can do this this way with 900 extra steps. And I just kind of plugged through because it was free. Um, I've learned that, you know, spending that $10 a month on that tool that just does it for you makes it a lot easier. And I would rather work to make that money than spend the time doing the work around a hundred percent that reminds me of when i back in the day when i was doing social media management i would have every single platform there was because you're only allowed like one account for free and so if i was running four social medias there was like i had plan preview plan elite like i had one for everything instead of having them in one place and eventually i was just like this is more work than it's worth the ten dollars or whatever for them all to live in one platform (laughs) Yeah, completely. And yeah, it's very easy to kind of get stuck in that loop of not wanting to spend money on your business, especially when you're first starting out. But there's definitely places where spending a bit of money can be a a big thing, like anything to do with taxes and money, tracking receipts, spend that $10, $15 a month, you will love yourself so much more in tax season if you spent that money to help make that process easier for you. Yeah, it'll save you the stress and the gray hair and all that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff is its just not worth it. Now, you, you share a lot on your social media about, like, your the space you work in, um, and I really love that, like, um, I don't know if it's vulnerability. Maybe, maybe it is a bit of vulnerability to kind of share that, but just kind of, like, the honesty. Um, like, I was, your cat's there with you, and I was like, I recognize. I feel like I'm seeing a celebrity. <laughs> 
Um, other than like, do you think you have people on clients that like don't know that you work from home? Like, do you think they're, you know, like we use the like we when it's just like me kind of thing? Do you think there's any sort of like illusion that some people think you work in an office or you're like a marketing agency with many uh, employees? Or do you think there's, it's just kind of all out there? I, I'm sure there is probably people who, who think that just because we try to keep a professional tone to everything. However, I would think people who, I, I really try to, to get away from that rhetoric and create that narrative around uh, specific spaces. I worked for so long in kind of the corporate world and in agencies, and they spent so much time, money, and mental effort to give this like projection that they are so good. They're so great. Everything is so great. And I've had the uh, pleasure to work with lots of agencies, especially ones in Vancouver that put on this big pony show about stuff. And really it's just three or four people mostly working from home. And I have spent so much time and money over the last 20, 15, 20 years of working in marketing and tech and stuff to also put on a show I used to have a very Pinterest desk. I used to have a very like set office space. When I would do client meetings uh, pre-pandemic, I would rent an office space or a meeting space from a co-working, uh, co-working co-share type place and kind of give that professional side of it. Um, but definitely in the last few years, I found that that's just not needed. Like I run my business which will at the end of this fiscal year bring in six figures from a TV tray with the box of a plastic bin and some pillows and an authoritic thing on my couch. Like I have given up on a lot of that stuff and have just been more comfortable with my business and how I run my business because of that. It's trying to stop pretending that I am that Pinterest girly or if that makes me a better business owner because it doesn't. It just took away my time, took away my money and took away way too many brain cells. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find a lot of people I think miss out on like posting on social media, for example, because they'll be like, they'll go to make a video or or talk to the audience and be like, oh, the dishes aren't done. Or like, you know, I can see something, some makeup back here in the back of my video or whatever. And and I think it's kind of, you, you miss out on that kind of connection and that communication because we're just chasing that perfect influencer kind of look yeah and it's definitely something that there is uh, a limitation on both sides you you can't go too far into the relaxed and still come across as a business we do need to curate our looks somewhat but it definitely doesn't need to look like a business or what we think of a business or like you're saying like an influencer one of the the biggest fallacies that we try and tell ourselves as small businesses is that we need to act like a big business to be taken seriously. I I worked with this really amazing Etsy seller that spent almost all of her profits on her packaging because like it needs to have the plastic cello so that it looks professional. It needs to have the wrapping paper so it looks like this. And like, no, people are buying your product. Yes, that stuff adds to the experience and there's ways of doing that, but like that shouldn't be where all your profits go. That is not going to sell you more stuff. So yeah, there's definitely a balance, but um, I think that's definitely uh, post-pandemic. Something that's come out of it is people think they need a lot more than they do when it comes to working from home. And it just, it's just there to distract you. It's just there to pull your uh, brain cells away from the actual work that you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And we only have so few of those brain cells. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, and it shouldn't stop you from posting. Being vulnerable and showing your space and being true to who you are is the best way to make a sale because most small businesses, it's generally not the product that's really doing it for your customers. It's a part of you that they're buying. It's part of your narrative. It's a part of the experience of interacting with you that they are buying, not just your product. So don't not sharing it is just doing a disservice. Totally. Um, and I was speaking about like working from home and working from a space that like, you know, it kind of blurs the line between business and pleasure or home or whatever. Um, how do you find like the motivation or the mindset to like get 
shit done when you know the tv's there or like you could go for a walk or, or like whatever you know it just it in that shared space like how do you just stay on track and, and keep working so a big part of what i've been able to find so this will be my fourth year working from home or working at home um is being realistic with myself of what my capabilities are each day and what to do and also knowing how to kind of stop myself before it gets too far so one of my big things is i if i have something to do that's either administrative or it's something i've moved to the bottom of my to-do list a few times i'm just procrastinating on it or if there's just something that's stopping me from doing something i need to do I will take myself to a coffee shop. I put on my headphones, I buy myself all the tasty treats and I will work for a few hours at a coffee shop. And something about the social pressure of people being around me helps me stay on focus. I'm not going to sit there and watch YouTube videos because people will think I'm so weird kind of thing. So like using the coffee shop as kind of that uh, social pressure to get things done that I don't want to do, um, I found is a really great way of getting me through those like very sticky things that I don't want to do. And then also I use the Pomodoro technique. I've got cubes that have timers and you do the 20 minutes and then I get five minutes, do whatever the heck I want. And I'll either eat all the snacks or I'll do the walks or I'll tip the cats upside down, whatever it is that I wanna do. Uh, I've got my five minutes and then I come back to do it. And often one of the things I find is I'll get into something for that first 20 minutes and then the timer goes up and I'm like, oh, heck no, I just like turn it back on. I don't even take the five minutes. And I found that's been quite successful too. The Pomodoro technique is something that is kind of akin to what you see people doing when they put a timer on the 10 minute tidy it's something about a timer and knowing that there's a specific end to it if i want just makes it that much easier to get stuck into it yeah that's a great tip and idea because it kind of you've got that end goal of the 20 minutes if you can only just push through 20 but then often you yeah. kind of get caught up in the task or feel inspired something like once you get going then the inspiration's like oh, oh i am here actually <laughs> And then if you, if that inspiration doesn't come, then you've got that five minutes to do some dishes. You've got five minutes to whip out the vacuum if that's what's on your brain, but then you know, like you come back to it after your five minutes, you got 20 minutes because you know you're gonna get five minutes again in a little while to finish it or whatever it is you need to do next. And so I find that is a really great way of kind of satisfying both like mentally, I wanna be doing this or I wanna go for a walk or I wanna do this, but I know I need to finish these things on your to-do. And having that segregation of like 20 and five, 20 and five, just seems to work really good for getting everything done. Uh, even if that's not what your intention was, was to get everything done. Right. Yeah, something I've, I've kind of broke away from in the last little while was like the, the kind of like predetermined structure of a workday. So like the nine to five with a little half hour lunch break kind of thing, I always kind of thought, that's just what I should do. And that's what I have to do to stay productive, but really like structuring my day based on how my brain works and how my body works, mm -hmm. like, like not even just the, the nine to five part, but also just like doing harder things or like <laughs> challenging for my brain things, things you don't want to do, you know, admin tasks um, in the morning while I'm like sharper and then mm -hmm. leaving the fun things like graphic design or whatever for the, later in the day. And that's just me. Some people are the exact opposite and they want to do the fun things in the morning because they're not awake yet. And then they, you know, once later in the day, they can do the admin tasks, the invoicing or whatever it is. Because um, I know you, I, I've seen on Instagram anyways, that you don't, you don't always work a nine to five. Sometimes I feel like you work a five to nine. <laughs> yeah, we go to the gym at five in the morning. So after gym, I find that my neurons are just firing like crazy. And I can get through some really hard tasks before my body realizes that, oh, heck, and it's so early and you haven't had coffee yet. So I definitely try to work from 6.30 to 2 because that's where I'm most productive. After 2 o'clock, especially in the summer here, I am useless. It is hot. I want to go sit with my feet in the water. I want to do everything else but work and be in front of a computer. So I definitely shift to more of a morning person. Uh, yeah. And it, it just recognizing that and being, again, don't try and fight it. Don't feel like you need to keep up the airs that you work nine to five. Cause that just doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. And especially if you're working for yourself and setting your own 
schedule. You don't have to follow what the average business is doing. No, and you can, again, as soon as you start kind of tapping into the way that you work or the way that your brain fires or what makes most sense for you, you'll find that the things that you're doing are that much easier and your output gets better. There's like, again, I, I spent a lot of time and I spend a lot of time now working with businesses that are doing okay. And their biggest problem is themselves. And they're just so much in front of their own way because they feel like they need to do it this way, or they need to feel like it needs to be done this way because this business does it that way. And it's just really about getting out of your own way and just kind of accepting that you're different. Your business is different. The way you do it doesn't need to be done any other way that anybody else is doing it. And as soon as you get that out, they like click, they flow. And then obviously their businesses just go crazy and grow. Yeah, totally. Getting out of your own way is something that's I think a lot of people struggle with and and can kind of get there if they if they kind of realize who's in their way and it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more often than not you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there are like full days. Um I think just being like on a monthly cycle essentially, but like I'll sit down in the morning and I'm like what the heck? No motivation, no energy. I got nothing to give today. And I used to just struggle through and I would spend a lot of time on social media because I'm just like, I got nothing for that day. So I've literally in the last few months just sort of changed, like recognize when those days happen and then just kind of like done something else, like edit a podcast or like something that's productive for my business, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not painful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's always good to have those kinds of uh, activities in your back pocket, back pocket. Oh my gosh. It's always good to have those things in your back pocket that will allow you to have those kind of mental breaks, but also a kind of a treat to look forward to after a really difficult task or something. I know for me, like, yeah, I definitely have days where it's just not going to happen. We're not going to get much productivity. I'm going to end up starting a document and I'm going to switch to social media every five seconds. Like this is just not going to work real bit. Okay. We're going to design something completely random for myself that I really have no business in doing right now. Cause there's so much work to do, but I do it, I get it out of my system. And then I find the next day is a lot more productive. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And recognizing that like you're in that state of like, well, I'm just not going to get these bummer tasks done. Like, let's just do something that I enjoy. Like whether it's taking pictures or whatever writing content or whatever it is for you sometimes those are the bummer tasks for some people <laughs> Everyone's different. yeah and again yeah it's it's whatever your zone of genius is in and recognizing what that is i think for some people especially small business owners that are just starting out they've they've essentially created their own worst problem in that they've taken the thing that used to bring them so much joy and monetized it and now it's their worst enemy. They're the ones that are making it really hard for themselves to enjoy the thing they once did. And sometimes that takes a little bit of work to get out from under and kind of re look at it from a different angle or be able to reposition of like, Hey, why did you get into this? Or why is this your product? And usually it started with a passion and we just got to find it again. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. The passion shifts into the kind of too far into the business end there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to love something the same way after it's become the thing that determines whether you have a roof over your head or not. Totally. Um, and then in terms of like work-life boundaries, do you ever find yourself on the other side where like you, you know, like, like what are your work-life boundaries like? Do you have, do you take weekends off? Do you work late into the night? I mean, or early in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, so the boundaries thing is definitely a work in progress because I put a lot of uh, pressure on myself. I'm somebody who loves praise and I get off on being able to be the helper. And so it's definitely difficult to be, um, self-regulating when it's something that you know like that dopamine hit is going to make you feel so good and because I love it so much uh, however I am getting better at it and I've even gotten to the point where I have figured out with gmail uh, which my business email is through is how like I can read an email but then I can set it to remind me in three days because this is not an urgent email and so while I will read all my email pretty much as it comes in regardless of time or day 
I will not respond to those emails unless it is necessary and in during work hours kind of thing. So that's been a big shift for me because I used to essentially shut down and become very uh, rude to the people around me because I'd be like, oh no, I got to like shift into work mode mentally right away. And essentially would like become a lump on the log for 20 minutes while I figured something out and how to respond to an email. Um, so yeah, I've become a lot more cognizant that there is limitations, but uh, realistic to a small business owner, I do have to read my email all the time. And so I've just found an okay balance for that right now. Nice. Yeah. I've definitely, uh, you know, like gotten up in the middle of a movie and been like, I got to pause this. We, I, I'll be right back. I got to go to the office for 20 minutes. Somebody <laughs> asked me to do something and I have to go do it right now. When realistically yeah. you don't necessarily, it depends. Of course, sometimes there are emergencies, but yeah. Yeah, it's always one of those things where it's so easy because to someone it might be an emergency, but you, you got to like walk it back and okay, the, it isn't worth my relationships, it isn't worth my uh, sanctity and interrupting my sanctuary of time with someone to uh, answer this email or go update this one thing that really isn't going to cause that much drama if it stayed for another few hours. Totally. And especially because our work and our life, again, just kind of blurring the line, like on our phone, um, we're almost like accessible all the time, especially if you're like business to business, or if you're not, if yeah. you just have like people's like customer emails or reviews or whatever coming in at all times of the day and night. Um, it's like, I think just mentally exhausting to be available all of the time and to constantly be just like a little ding and your brain's like pulled right back into work mode yeah i know one of the things that's really helped me and again this is more of a recent thing where i have been very proactive at setting expectations of like mm -hmm. hey you're gonna send me this email and then you're not gonna hear from me for a week because i'm working on this and then i will get it back to you kind of thing and setting those clear expectations from the beginning with people whether they're customers or other people i'm working with or sometimes even my husband of like yeah okay we will do that I can't think about it this week, but I will get back to you by next week so that it's not them sitting in uh, the ether, just like, okay, what's happening? They don't know what's happening. And they obviously are just like wanting to fulfill their need for answers. Um, so yeah, setting expectations has been really great in that way of like, okay, hey, client, I, awesome, great. Thank you for sending this to me. I will not be looking at it till next week. And I will let you know as soon as I do kind of thing. And like, okay, cool. Then they know for a week, they're not going to hear from me. And then it's not three emails of, Hey, what's happening? Yeah. Have you left me? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a great idea. Setting the expectations is very like proactive kind of way to, to handle that. Definitely. It, it makes it easier to, again, and, but that also comes with the, uh, being okay with get people being angry at you or people kind of questioning your motives for things because there definitely will be some people whether it's clients or vendors will be like oh that's not acceptable then it's okay cool what does that uh how much is that worth for you because that is going to be the upcharge for that kind of thing so it just again it's it's a learning process and part of being strong and standing up for what it is that you need but also knowing that yeah you can attach monetary uh, rewards that too if it's so important to them it's cool there's options yeah like a rush fee kind of thing I've yeah. definitely learned to also set like realistic expectations I used to do a lot of like someone would be like oh like you know here's a request and I'd be like great I'll get that to you for tomorrow and then like that was just always my response response like I'll get that to you for tomorrow and so many times something comes up like life or just other projects or whatever and I'm like no why did I say tomorrow yeah. <laughs> so I've had to just I always even if I think I can get it to them tomorrow I'm like that'll be a couple of days and then I'll get that to you and then you can you know under promise over deliver a hundred percent I put out such crazy dates sometimes and then yeah it's that joy of of giving it to them early but also like there has definitely been times where that saved my butt uh just like that extra few days that I gave because I was like oh I'm not gonna send it to them on a Friday no one's gonna read it on a Friday I'll give it to them on the Monday and then it's yeah Sunday where I'm like oh heck and I'm glad I did this <laughs> I'm glad I gave myself some time because this was uh, a little bit a lot different situation yeah it's just like being nice to yourself <laughs> yeah being a nice boss 
my yes. my mother-in-law always jokes how I'm a real tough boss <laughs> but like I am my own boss <laughs> um in terms of uh just kind of jumping into like um hot tips from a marketing manager um yeah. what kind of things do you see people what kind of mistakes do you see people making out there for small businesses um that make you cringe so this will kind of counteract some of the stuff we've already talked about but Perfect. people not separating their uh personal instagram from their business instagram whether like there's the actual separation versus kind of what you share and what you don't share. Um, you know, if you have a business that um, you're doing property management for Airbnbs, I don't wanna see videos of you and your girlfriends dancing, having a crazy wine night. Outside of maybe a specific share that you're talking about a space or maybe venues around a certain space, like there's definitely a time and place for it but that doesn't make me think that you're a better property manager. And that doesn't really make me assume some qualities you might have that feed into that. However, if you are somebody that makes natural soaps and you make natural um, skincare and you're sharing your family story of why you decided to make that skincare or why it's so important to you that you're using natural ingredients, that's beautiful. That's something I want to see. And that helps feed into your why for your business. So definitely that, that separation and knowing where that separation is. And then second to that would be uh, business owners forgetting that they're not the customer. And so when they make things and they do things or the things that they value as important, um, they share those instead of taking that step to look back of what actually is important to their clients. Because one of the, the big things with most small businesses is if your customers could have figured it out, they would have done it themselves. So you are different from your customer, no matter if it's something you created to fulfill a need that you had, that you think that they also have, because it, you wouldn't be the same or else they would have created it themselves essentially. So when you're talking about something, you were talking about your natural soaps, your candles that you're making, you're not talking about it from a place of enlightenment that you've already figured it out. You need to go back way 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 to basics and explain it to somebody who doesn't have that knowledge who hasn't figured it out so you need to explain every little thing you need to talk about things as if somebody has barely learned those words and the english language kind of thing so i that's definitely a big thing where a lot of small businesses they're talking about oh i don't have content to post i don't have content to post whereas you could write a year's worth of content based purely on why you think it's important to use natural ingredients Right. Yeah. yeah. Just like getting rid of all those kind of assumptions that what you know is what yeah. your clients know and that somebody might be landing on your page for the first time ever. So you can't assume they know your story or they know your why. You kind of have to just lay it all out there. Yeah. And all those little things that you put um, a lot of onus on of like, oh, I just assume that somebody knows how to do this or I just didn't know, like, of course, everybody knows why you use natural oils. So many people don't. There's so many things out there that people just assume people have. The landlord just walked by the window. <laughs> There's <laughs> people assume that people know because it's something they're passionate about or their friends and family know all about when really they don't. And so your marketing really needs to be made for your customers. Um, and yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big thing. So you see people posting and they're posting motivational quotes and stuff. And it's like, you are a small business that shares local products. What is that quote doing to help your audience? That's for you. That makes you feel real good. And that's real, real good. And that's fine. But, you know, you should be focusing more so on uh, what it is your clients need, your customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've definitely seen just working with small businesses where, you know, it's like, make a post about like who you are or something like that and they're like oh I did that like six months ago and I'm like okay <laughs> like that a people might not have seen it you have new followers and we intake so much information that like oh not gosh. necessarily reposting but like you know retelling that story is like an important part to kind of stick in people's minds Oh, a hundred percent. And that's one of the things that, I mean, there's a huge fallacy 
around assuming that people have seen all your stuff, even if you've seen that they've seen it, like you can see the views on your stories. I post so much stuff on my uh, influencer account or micro influencer account and people are just like, oh, I've never heard you talk about that. Or like, oh, when did this happen? Like, oh my gosh, I've posted like 300 stories on this already. How, how do you not know? How do you not understand that this is a thing kind of thing? But it really is like you, you take in so much, we consume so much. Um, it's really easy to think somebody knows a lot more than they do. Yeah, there's like, I don't know where the stats from, but I've heard it a few times where like people usually have to see something like seven or eight times before they're like ready to buy. Um, and so I, I've seen businesses be like, oh, I posted about, you know, my lip chap and and no one bought it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, the most people aren't sitting there on their Instagram with their credit card in their hand, like <laughs> who's going to get the money? It's, it's like yeah. you have to kind of create, you have to kind of not remind people, but just kind of like, really inspire them into why they want to buy that or why they want to invest in your business and yeah. it takes time and kind of multiple posts or multiple angles to kind of tell that story definitely the multiple angles is a huge thing so if you're talking about a chapstick the reasons why people are going to like that chapstick are so different some people it's all about the ingredients some people it's all about the results some people it's all about what it isn't it isn't lip color if you will or like you can have a chapstick and it you want to market it to the men versus the women or people who don't want to have that outward coloring, whatever it happens to be. There's so many different angles that you could have for one single product. And yeah, the, the seeing it eight times, that's a minimum of eight times that people need to see stuff before they'll even start consider uh, considering to purchase it. And when it comes to anything that is like higher than five, $10, that number just exponentially grows. And it's not just about seeing the same thing again and again and again. They need to see all sides of it and see the different value propositions that that product or service has. And so you need to be really talking about it from all these different angles. And trust me, your your customers aren't thinking that it's repetitive, that you're posting the same thing to them. It's a whole new experience and it'll take them a long time really to even figure out that you're talking about the same thing. Yeah. And especially when everything's kind of online too, it's like building trust through a little tiny screen. It takes longer than if someone can actually just like slap on some of your tester chapstick or whatever. Definitely. Definitely. And it, it all works too. Cause like, yeah, it's online and we kind of think of, oh, so they're only consuming it through their phone and yeah, they might be consuming the end media through the phone, but the things that you're putting through that phone and through your Instagram can be different. So you can make those emotional connections through personal stories, through having your face on your stories on Instagram or those kinds of posts, or you could be showing the product or you could be showing how easy it is to do the selling process. You could be showing the process of the chapstick. You could be giving them education on how to store the chapstick. Like there's all the different things that you can get through that used to be a billion different things. You had an instruction booklet, you had classes on how to do certain things. We used to learn how to put makeup on in school. Now we do it through YouTube kind of thing. So like, yeah, it, it is just kind of all one medium, but you're giving them so many different things and it just happens to be, we've condensed it all to our phones and our computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like that, like that, you, you know, the how, the why, the where, the what, and kind yeah. of just like showing them like, yes, it's a chapstick, but like, do you have one for your car? I don't know. That's like a bad example, but you know, it's just kind of like really painting that product into their life and into their picture. Completely. I mean, even with like buying a car now, like we go onto the Ford website and we built our car and we have spent months Rec like reading through things, reading through recommendations, looking at different products. And then we went to the dealership and we barely got through the, the demo drive. And we're like, yeah, this is the one we want to buy. And then the guy was like, oh, okay, like, are you sure you don't want to like go up into the hills? You want to see how it works off road? It's like, no, we already know how it works. We just wanted to essentially confirm we fit properly in it. We already mm -hmm. have done our research. We're good. And that's just very different than how it used to be used to have to rely on those experts to give you that information. Whereas we seek it out ourselves a lot more now too, which is a great opportunity for small businesses to be those experts. Yeah. Let people do the research sort of in their own time and just making sure you have all of that information available for them to soak in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, if you were to give like your biggest, hottest tip, what would you say like is your, your biggest tip for small businesses to kind of create that connection through social media? Is to look at what you're offering and try and think about its benefits or its value to as many different groups of people as you possibly can, even if they're not your target demographic, because more often than not, you'll either find more tem target demographics or you'll find different ways to talk about your product or service that will essentially give you weeks and weeks upon weeks of different content to start posting on your socials. Great. Um, now I have a couple um, little questions that I like to ask everybody before we let you go back to Farley, the cat, <laughs> and your busy day, of course. <laughs> um, I like asking people about their business name because I think it's a really interesting process that we all go through. Sometimes it's easy and you just like wake up and you're like, I know what it is, but often it's like a bit of a struggle. Um, so can you tell me kind of how you landed on your name and maybe like why the acronym and that kind of stuff? Um, so... I'm from Alberta and I'm from Edmonton, which has a very different mindset than living in BC. Um, so I, one of the things that really spoke to me was not so much the Okanagan itself, but the Okanagan lifestyle, where I guess it's kind of a little Cali inspired, but everybody's just a little more chill, a little bit more environmental and sustainability focused. Everybody is just a little nicer, open doors for each other, say hello, which weirded me out when I first got here, but I really like it now. I like saying hi to strangers when we're going for walks every five seconds. Hi, hi. Uh, so like that kind of lifestyle. And I wanted to bring that to business because again, working in very corporate big companies, um, you were just a number. You were just there to make your money for the company and that's kind of who you are. And I wanted to bring uh, that amazing Okanagan community to business. And so, yeah, Okanagan Co or Okanagan Marketing Co, which is my technical legal name, um, is kind of about that. And that's where the name came from. I knew I wanted to have Okanagan, but Okanagan is also a big, scary word sometimes when you see it and you're not from here. I also didn't want to limit myself to being only in the Okanagan because that was less of my mission. It was the lifestyle from the Okanagan and that cool people uh, vibe that I wanted to bring, but I did want to keep myself open to working with other places, which has worked out uh, beneficial to me because I actually have more clients out of the Okanagan now than I do in the Okanagan. Great. So that hasn't yeah. like deterred clients from, from inquiring because you're of the yeah. title of your business. Right. Yeah. Cause sometimes it, it's difficult for somebody in Vancouver to be like, oh yes, I'm working with the Okanagan marketing agency. Like they, they don't want that. Um, but the OKGN is separate enough from Okanagan, even though it means Okanagan, um, that they, they sometimes like that anonymity for where the location is. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just sort of like a, a biz name. It separates it from the location, like you said. Yeah, because I've definitely done that before where I've used like Kamloops in my name or wherever my location was at the time in my name. And then I get imposter syndrome because I'm like, oh, no, I can't work with that Calgary company because I'm an Edmonton company. It says Edmonton in the name. And that's unnecessary with how uh, easy it is now to work remotely through Zoom and all this fun stuff. So I didn't want to limit myself. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you could hop into a time machine and go back to when you first started um, this business or just working for yourself and like being your own boss kind of thing, um, what piece of advice would you write on a little note and slip yourself um, so that you could kind of <laughs> alleviate maybe some of the stresses or struggles over the year? Um, so that would definitely be around seeking help earlier. So I have two employees that work contract for me that do the stuff that I really hate doing. And I held off for years, kind of in the same way that I didn't get subscriptions to things that would make my life easier because I was scared of spending the money. But my productivity and what I'm able to do when I'm able to focus on my zone of genius and the things that I like doing is so much higher than anything I could ever pay them. And so that, that would be my thing. I, I could have grown so much more, so much sooner if I had just given up on doing everything myself and recognizing that there's experts out there that I can pay to do it. And that 
doesn't mean that I can't do it. It just means that I have better things to do. Yeah. Like delegating things that, like you said, other people can do for you or just as well and kind of help you have time for more important growth. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely things that make more sense for me to spend my time on than doing social media engagement. That was the first thing that I would let go. And that wasn't so much around not enjoying doing it or not liking doing it, but me spending those few hours a day for our clients to do that engagement was not my best use of time. I dreaded it. I would put it off for as late as possible and bringing somebody in to do that type of work has been amazing for freeing up my schedule, but also just not doing it. I'm able to spend those hours doing so many different things that actually make money at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. No, that's smart. And it's a hard thing to let go of sometimes, like you said, to spend the money to kind of pass that task over to someone else is, it can be tricky. Definitely. And it definitely takes time to find the right person and to also identify what it is that you need from that person. That was a huge learning curve, but it would be something I'd want to do earlier on if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a um, a playlist on Spotify called the Grow and Behold playlist for those low motivation days that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, well, if you like what two songs or so would you throw on that list to kind of plump it up? so I am a country music lover so both my songs are country um so the first one would be Travis Tritt it's a great day to be alive that's just a banger that puts you in a much better mood than anything you could have been in um and it's just really great for the whole romanticizing the day-to-day and uh working for a living Garth Brook Huey Lewis again it just really helps put in perspective what it is you're doing and what, um, why you're going through all these pains and struggles as a small business and why it's important for you to keep on going. Oh yeah. I can definitely see how country and and small business vibes kind of hit the same symbols. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of talking about working and working hard in country. And I think that's a, a good reminder of why you're doing what you're doing. Totally. Awesome. Well, where, where can people find you if they want to find you online? Uh, so Instagram is probably the best place at OKGNCO. Um, that's our business account. I definitely am in the shoe repairman's uh, cobbler's dilemma where we are horrible at posting on our own social media because we're so busy posting everybody else's social media. Um, but that is definitely the best place. And then for more of the personal business owner side of it at Hey Beth Taylor, which is also on Instagram. Um, Cause I share a lot of my day to day there uh, working in the business and working with the businesses. Yeah. It's good to follow. I follow both for sure. It's good. It's a good balance between the two. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate your insight and taking some time to kind of share that with us. Awesome. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to catch all the conversations and find us on social media at Grow and Behold Podcast to stay in touch between the episodes. Yeah, yeah. More often than not, you're the problem.